we do thank you for your giving. Um, it is truly a blessing to give back what God has given to us. And uh, we did something this week uh, that, that we've, we hadn't done before, uh, but because of your generous giving, we were able to do. Um, this was finals week for the students over at Muskingum uh, University. And so what we did was Monday morning, we went to Chapman's Coffee House down there by the university. We bought a $100 gift card, and we told them that if any kid came by, the, the, the drink was going to be free uh, on us um, to try to help them out because we knew they were sleep-deprived and they needed energy. Um, and so what's funny, though, is uh, we, we, we make social media posts a lot. Uh, we, we actually do it al- almost once a day. And maybe we'll get like two or three different people who interact with it. Uh, well, when you tell coffee, uh, college kids there's free coffee, um, it, it blows up is what happens. Uh, there, you had 23 people uh, on Twitter who sent it out to all of their followers that there was free coffee. There was over 30 people on Facebook who said, hey, look, there's free coffee. You know, when you tell college kids there's free coffee, that's something worth telling about. Somebody wants, they, they want to make sure all their friends know. I know Angie Larrick was in there on Tuesday and heard one of the college kids walk in and says, hey, do you have any more uh, free coffee? And they said, no, that was gone a long, long time ago. So I'm not entirely sure how long it lasted. I, probably Monday around 1 o'clock. That was probably the extent of it. But we were able to do that, and, and a lot of people did tell us thank you. They reached out to us, they told us thank you for providing that for them. And so I want to thank you for uh, what you give. We're able to do a lot of stuff, but this is something unique we were able to do. They saw something, and they told someone about it. My brother went and saw the new Star Wars movie on Friday night, and I told him I didn't want to know specifics. I just wanted to know if it was good or not. And so, but he is dying to talk to someone about it. Everyone that he would talk to about it besides his wife hasn't seen it. And so he is just dying for someone to watch it so that he can talk to someone about it. And so I'm going to go watch it next week. But uh, he's waiting for it. See, that's what we do. We see something that we like. We see something that we, joy, we enjoy. And we immediately start telling others about it. Last week we talked about how we're starting this series called Luke's Christmas Pageant. We're taking a look at the, the people in the, the story of Luke's account of the birth of Christ. And we said, you know, we focus on so many words throughout Christmas and about uh, the things that we receive, about hope and peace and joy and faith and things like that. And those are obviously very, very important. But the question we wanted to ask was, well, instead of what do we receive, the question is how do we react to Christmas? So if this story is true, how do we react? And so we listed some words out, and last week we looked at the life of Mary, and we said, oh, as a result of of seeing what Mary went through, the two words were, we trust and we obey. If this Christmas Christmas story is true, (coughs) then we have no choice but to trust and obey God, because if a God would do something like that, he's worthy of trust and he's worthy of obeying. And so as we continue on in Luke chapter 2, we're going to continue to look and see what words we have. And today those words are see and tell. Luke 2, beginning in verse 8, we're introduced to the shepherds. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. (coughs) Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, normally I bring water up here as a superstition, but today it's going to come in handy, I think. (coughs) So, this is what happens. Uh, The shepherds find this out, so let's just retrace this very familiar story. The first thing is that the, the shepherds were just going through life like they always went through life. Right, they were living their life in an ordinary way. They were not, there was nothing extraordinary about them. Right? Ordinary people living life in ordinary ways. Their job was to watch sheep, to make sure they didn't run away, to make sure nothing attacked them. And we don't get any indication that this night was any different than any other night. This was just what they did. There wasn't a holiday around. There wasn't a special time of the year. This was just another day. But this day ended up being not like any other day. All of a sudden, an angel shows up, and God lets them know what he's doing. He shows up, this angel tells them that something is happening. And what we see, their reaction is, is they are absolutely terrified. We see that with Mary last week, right? The angel shows up, and it says that Mary was troubled. You know, the first reaction when an angel comes to you, we like to glorify and think that it's just going to be like, this is going to be the most amazing thing. It, everyone we see interact with an angel is pretty, pretty petrified, pretty terrified. So both of these uh, people, the, the shepherds and, and Mary, they both, they both are just scared to death. But in the midst of their fear, they give them good news that God is doing something amazing. They say, I know that you're scared. Do not be afraid because God is doing something amazing. And the angels go away, and the heavenly host stops singing, and because they've, told, they've been told that something great has happened, they go and they take a look for themselves. They didn't just see that the angels came and told them something great, they're like, wow, that was fantastic. Hey, let's go watch more sheep. No, they decided this is, this is something important. This is something we've been led in on. Let's go and check this out for ourselves. And so they go to Bethlehem, and they see, after hearing and talking with Mary and Joseph, that God did exactly what... He said he was going to do. Everything that the angel just told them about what God was doing, God did. (coughs) And so, because of that, they praise God. They tell the whole world about what happened. They share the good news with what they found, and they go back to what they were doing, but they go back completely changed. Now, they didn't drop everything. They went back, and for by all accounts, they went back to be shepherds, but they didn't go back as the shepherds that they left. They were brand new people. Now, I think that you know where I'm going with this. Today, all of us are at one of these stages in our life. This is kind of the story of a Christian's life. And so these are each stages which we have to figure out where we are and what we believe and how things are going. 
You see, at one point, or maybe right now, you're at stage one. And stage one is that we were ordinary people living ordinary lives in ordinary ways. Maybe it's been a while since that was you, but you just grew up and you lived normally. Now, maybe you even grew up in the church, but there wasn't anything that separated you from anyone else. You went through your life and maybe you didn't even give the thought that there's something supernatural out there that might be making a difference in this world. And so we just kind of do our jobs and we are parts of our family and we just go through life as normal. But then, we're all in that situation. In fact, everyone in this world is in this situation. But then, I think that because you're here today, we're also, at least those in this room, in this stage, at some point we were invited to come and see. (coughs) You see, something amazing happened at Easter. Besides the fact that Jesus did what God sent him to do and died on the cross, and besides the fact that he rose again, Something amazing happened at Easter because when the women came to anoint Jesus' body and the tomb was empty, the angel said something that defines Christianity. The angel says, come and see where he lay. In other words, you are invited in. You are part of this story. You're invited to see what this is all about. At some point, someone invited you to come and see. Maybe it was a set or, a, or somebody, a, a faithful parent who invited you every single week, even though maybe you went kicking and screaming when you were younger, to go to church, and they invited you to come and see. Maybe it was somebody in your community that told you about church and invited you to come and see. Maybe a complete stranger or maybe somebody on a television screen. But someone invited you to come and see and so whether you did this a long time ago or this is the first time that you've done that that's why you're here today you are come you're you're invited to come and see you're trying to figure out what all this is and let's be honest if we come and see and we're not familiar with how church goes this stuff's weird let's be honest What other community gets together and sings if it's not a rock concert? How many people talk about eating the body and the blood of someone every single time that they gather? Let's be honest, if if we're not familiar with this, it's kind of weird. It's kind of frightening. It's not really how things work. And then we start talking about what the Bible tells us. And my goodness, that's nothing like the world is telling us. And so we might be a little bit scared if this is our first time. Or second time, or third time, or fourth time. We might be a little bit scared. We might not realize what's happening here. And yet what happens is that in the midst of our fear, God lets us in on His plan. You see, the beautiful thing about this book is that it's not locked up. You don't have to have a magic code or a magic key. In fact, you have a smartphone. You can download one right now on your phone, and it's free. This word tells us, okay, if you're coming to look, then I want to tell you everything that's happening. In Hebrews, there's this part of, of Hebrews where it talks about how <coughs> back in Moses' day, you know, when Moses would go up on the mountain and, and God would ascend to this mountain, if someone touched the mountain while Moses and God were up there, they would die. Right? It was holy ground. 
And then the author of Hebrews says, and yet what we have is we get to approach Mount Zion, this place where we get to actually go and talk to God, and we get to do that with confidence because Jesus Christ came, and there is no more divide there. Because we have an advocate on our behalf that Jesus has gone before us and he's done everything that he says that he's doing, we get to talk to God. And so what we find is in the midst of our fear, we have a God who loves us, created us, and wants, to know, wants us to know all about him. And so because someone invited us to come and see, and because, someone, because God reached out to us in the midst of our fear, we decide that we're going to take a look for ourselves. The, or the, the shepherds decided we're going to go and take a look at what this angel just told us. And so what we do is we take a look through Scripture and we say, okay, is this true? Is this true? Is this legitimate? How does this look? What does it mean? And what we will do... What we hope we will do this next stage is we're going to find out the same thing that the shepherds found out, and that's that when you look and take God at His word, you're going to find out that His word never fails you. That His word is always believable, it's always trustworthy. And so when we look, we will find that God did, does, and will do everything that He says. When we take a look at Scripture and when we hear the stories of people throughout history who have followed Christ, we realize that God is ever faithful. He is always trustworthy. Now, here's the thing. For so many of us, this is it. This is it. We get to this point and this is it because this is the point when we realize that God is true, that we say, okay, I can't live this on my own. And so I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to say because He is faithful and true and because He never gives up and because He's always trustworthy, He's better to run my life than I am. And so I'm going to give my life to Him. And I'm going to be faithful and obedient in Him. And, <laughs> and I'm going to be baptized to symbolize that my old self is dead, my new self is alive, and, and this is because God is faithful and true, this is the, the commitment I'm making. Now, this is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. It is. Amen. But it's not the end. Because the story would have been really ridiculous if it went like this. The shepherds went to Bethlehem and they found that Jesus was exactly the way that the angels told them that he was. And they sat and they talked to Mary and they Joseph and they found out the, what God had done through them. And they found out that everything was great. And so they came and they worshipped and they adored the baby Jesus. And they loved the baby Jesus. And they talked to each other and everyone around them about how great baby Jesus was. And then they got together and said, you know what, I, th- I think we need to do something. I, need, I think that once a week we should make a pilgrimage to come see the baby Jesus. Once a week we should come back here because this is so much fun. This is so great. We should come back here and adore the baby Jesus. And so they say, well, that's a great idea. So let's go. So they leave the place. But remember, it's been a long time, a long travel. And so they go and they find this place that, that serves food. And they go and they sit down. And when they sit down, the waitress or the waiter, whoever comes up to them, and they spill the drinks all over them. And man, that just ruins their day. This is the worst day ever. I cannot believe that someone spilt water all over over me. This is just absolute. The, the meat is not cooked right. This is just awful. And then they continue and they go on to their jobs and they realize, man, 
without angels up here singing and a heavenly host, this job just stinks. I have to sit here day after day and watch these mindless animals wander from place to place just hoping they don't jump off the cliff. So I have to go back and say, sorry, your sheep was dumb and did this. And this is just the way I have. But then that day comes. And then they leave the sheep and they go back and they go, oh, we love the baby Jesus. Everyone, come look at the baby Jesus. This is so Great. Mary and Joseph, tell us that story again about the baby Jesus. Oh, let me tell you the story about the baby Jesus. And then they leave. And they don't go to that restaurant. They go to the next one. They find that there's something there that just makes them mad again. And then they go back to their jobs, and they still hate it. But then the next week comes, and they come and worship the baby Jesus. Do you understand? This is what we do. We come here on Sunday, and we've got this nice little setup over here. And we come and we worship Jesus. We didn't expect somebody to get up here. We pay someone to get up here and to tell us stories of stuff that most of us probably already know. And we sing songs and we celebrate and we think this is the greatest thing ever. And then we leave. And the world is as messed up as it was when we got in here. I don't know the world today. It may even be more messed up when we leave than when we first got here. And so we don't tell anyone about this, but then we get back on next Sunday and we talk about how great it is to worship the baby Jesus. There's another step, folks. We've got to tell people about what we've experienced. Here's a truth that we have to understand. If God is good enough to do this, to send His Son to die on the cross so that you and I can have a relationship with Him, if God is good enough to do this, and we have made the decision, God is good enough to be made the Lord and Savior of my life, and yet we do not tell others about Him, then there are two logical explanations for that. And this morning I preach to you as much as I preach to myself in this regard. But there's two logical explanations. If you remove yourself from the situation, why Christians don't tell others about this good news. And the one is this, is that they don't want someone else to know it. We can say that we love people, that we want the best for them, we want to hope that they're all in heaven, but we keep the one thing that gets them into heaven away from them. Or there's a second part. Either we don't want someone to know that good news, or the second part is maybe that Jesus isn't as good as we thought he was. I mean, Jesus is good, but he's not good enough to overcome the fact that my reputation at work is really going to go downhill if I start being that Bible thumper. I mean, Jesus is good, but... I mean, I, I have my comfort zone, and I, I would prefer just to stay in. He's not good enough for me to get out of my comfort zone and tell someone about him. I mean, Jesus is good, but man, my, day, my best days are behind me. I, I, I'm 70, I'm 80, I just, I don't need to go tell anyone about Jesus anymore. I'm good. 
You see, the hard, honest truth is that if God is as good as we say He is every Sunday, we should not stop talking about Him. If He is that good, we should never quit talking. Because that next step is that you, after you give your life to Christ, should be telling the world everything that's happened. You should go back to what you're doing, but you go back as someone who is completely changed. And yet, this is the step that we so often push aside. Maybe we have tricked ourselves into believing that people are tired of hearing about Jesus. Perhaps we believe that no one needs to be introduced to Him. I mean, we live in the Bible Belt. Folks, there is no one in this world that doesn't need to hear that there's a God. There is no one in this world that doesn't need to hear that that God, even though His people rebelled against Him, wants a relationship with them. There is no one in this world that doesn't need to hear that the way that God did this was by coming here in form of a man to die the death that we deserve. There is no one in this world that doesn't need to hear that there is a possibility for healing for their past and hope for their future. There is no one in this world who does not need to hear this so that we should not be silent. If you have this message... You should be telling people. And the truth of the matter is, in the past week, you have told someone about a new dessert you had at a Christmas party. You have told someone about a new restaurant that you tried out. You have (coughs) talked about how nicely decorated someone's house is. You have made sure to tell someone about a highlight from a sporting event. And you did all of these things so very excitedly. My goodness, is Jesus not better than all these? You have... Life-changing news. Good news of great joy for all people. And it's up to you and I to tell what we've seen. I know people use this in a crime way, but if you see something, say something, right? You see something at school, you see something at work that just doesn't fit right, you're supposed to go and tell the authorities, you're supposed to tell your boss, you're supposed to tell someone. It would eliminate a lot of the junk that we have to deal with in the society if people would speak up. Instead of bad news, you have the best news. So tell people. Maybe you've already had your, your office party, but my guess is that... <coughs> Sorry, I almost made it through. All right. Um, my guess is, is that this week at some point you're going to start traveling or people are going to start traveling here. And so maybe you don't know how to start this. How do I start telling people what to do? Well, we're going to give you some application this morning. If you have a family that's coming or you're going to family, I want to give you this challenge this morning. It's going to be up here on the screen. So with your families, gather the children and tell the story of Jesus' birth. Yes, even before the presents. Go find something on, on Amazon. They still got the three-day shipping, or they've got these these really these children Bibles that maybe you can get, or maybe you just get a version like the message that's more easy for kids to understand. And you sit down and you read Luke one through twenty with them, 
And you just talk about how great this is that Jesus did that, that God did that. The second thing that we want you to do is that to gather the adults that are there, and just whether it's around the dinner table or whether it's in your family room as the kids are opening their one million presents, whatever happens, that you just say, you know what? This year, God did this in my life. This year, I am so thankful for fill in the blank. And then invite other people to share. These are two things that are not rocket science. In fact, you don't even have to get out of your seat for either one of these. But there's two ways to introduce people to a story that changed your life. Maybe you don't have time with family this week. But all of us have time in our community. And so I'm going to give you one way to have a Christian conversation with someone, okay? I want you to, to prepare yourself. You ready? Ask them what their Christmas plans are. Not like, hey, what's your deep, darkest sin? Like, that's not the conversation. Ask them, what's your Christmas plans? Because you know what's going to happen and they can't even help it? They're going to say it, and then they're going to do what? What are you doing? Like, before they even think about what they're saying, they're going to say that. And all of a sudden, you get to say, well, well, we're going to be going to church on Christmas Eve and celebrate that Jesus came here and He died for us and just celebrate that with, with friends and family. You know what you should do? You should come. Was it that hard? No. It's not that hard. What are you doing for Christmas? Well, this is what I'm doing for Christmas. Hey, you should come. It's not that hard. But even if it was, isn't your God good enough? Isn't He better? You see, we see and we tell. We're going to do something this morning before uh, we end our service, uh, before um, we sing one more song. This, next week, like I said earlier, we're having two worship services. They're exactly the same. There's 200, how many, how many seats have it? 280-ish? 280 is a round number, and I'd like that. So 280-ish <laughs> seats in here. Two services, a 280 is... 560, which means there's 560 seats, plus we could add some where people can come here and hear the greatest story ever told. And so what we want to do this morning is we're going to pray for those seats. Not that they like uphold whoever sits in them or they don't rip during the week, but we're going to pray for those who are going to sit in your seat next week. Now I know some of you are saying, I'm sitting in my seat next week. I know that you are. But there's two services, so somebody's going to sit in your seat. Uh, but there's two services. So what we're going to do is we're going to take 90 seconds. And for the first 30 seconds, you're going to pray for your seat. You're going to pray for whoever's sitting there. And you know what? You might need to pray for yourself in this regard. Because it is Christmas Eve after all, and you are going to have to travel right after service 
And you're going to have a lot of things going on, so maybe you just need to pray for focus. And so for the first 30 seconds, you're going to pray for that. In the next 30 seconds, you're going to split in half. You're going to pray for the seat to your right and the seat to your left. You're going to pray, maybe just pray, God, may someone who doesn't know you sit in the seat next week. I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to actually go down here and I'm going to participate as well today. I'm going to tell you what one of the seats I'm going to pray for is. I'm going to do it without crying. I'm going to pray because I know my kid, my oldest kid, Patterson, is going to be sitting in that seat next week. And I know he's not going to be over there in kids' time. I know that he's going to be here. And he's going to have an opportunity to hear the Christmas message. And he's going to get to interact with his kids, with Josh, when he gives a message. And he's going to listen to his dad preach. And I just hope that he gets something out of it. So maybe you do that prayer. And in the last 30 seconds, what we're going to do is we're going to pray to ask who God is inviting us to fill these seats this week. We're going to pray that God would show us who it is that we need to ask to come and join us. And so we're going to do that just for the next 90 seconds or so. Bow your heads. Father, we believe the angels when they say that this is good news for all people. And Father, I pray that today we would understand that you are good enough to share about, that you're good enough to tell others about, And I pray today, Father, that you would work in our lives this week to make us ever mindful of the fact that you made a way for everyone to come to know you. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for giving us new life. Thank you, God, for good news, real news, the best news. Help us to share it this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know where you are on your your spiritual journey. What step uh, that that we talked about tonight. Whether you're just trying to figure this out. Maybe you thought you figured it out and then life threw you a curveball and you're not quite sure anymore. But today, if you wanted to come up here and say, you know what? I believe that God did everything they said He's going to do. That God is as good as as the Bible says, and that means He's good enough to to be the one in my life. Then I invite you to come and and make that profession of faith. If today this is the church home that you want to belong to, we invite you to come and join us with membership. But whatever it is, today we are sent. This is what we take home today, and this is what we should take home every day. When we have experienced Jesus, you've got something to tell others about. So do so. Because he is that good. See and tell. Please be standing as we see.